you have a copy of God's Word, turn to uh, Philippians chapter 3 this morning. Philippians chapter 3, entitled the uh, sermon, this closes out our series on the cross. This is the cross of glory. We saw the cross of victory. We saw the cross for today, the cross of separation last Sunday, and uh, today we are going to look at the cross of glory. Before I read the verses for you, uh, just let me tell you about a, an individual, an individual that uh, is famous, an individual that you probably know of. His name, is, his name is Ernest Hemingway. Ernest Hemingway was a remarkable man. He, he won the uh, Pulitzer Prize. He won a Nobel Prize. And as a, uh, as a young reporter, he already, he's already a news reporter when he was extremely young, and, and World War I broke out. And he went to the front. He went to the front of the lines in, in Italy, and he was wounded there. He came back and had an exciting life as a big game hunter. He was a bullfighter. He was a sports fisherman, and he, he fished for marlin. When World War II, learn this about uh, old Hemingway, when World War II broke out, he's like, I want in the fight. And so he, he took his fishing boat and he decked it out with two 50 cal machine guns, put the whole thing with bazookas and hand grenades, and he started trolling the waters off of Cuba, wanting a German U-boat to surface. So that if anybody, the periscope or that, that cone came out of the water, he would turn his focus on that boat, get about 50 yards away from it, and if somebody opened the hatch, he was going to let them have it with everything that he had. Trying to sink a German U-boat. He was a daring man. He was in an airplane accident. He was hit by a taxi. He had all kinds of escapades. It is written of. Wounded in war. Lived in France. Lived in, in, in Italy. Lived in Cuba. Lived in Key West. Lived in Idaho. He was a man that did everything. But as life continued, he abused himself with alcohol. Went through four marriages. And as he was growing old, he stated these words. It seems. It seems. That we are ants on the end of a burning log. Do you know how Ernest Hemingway ended his life? He ended his life with a shotgun to the head. Ernest Hemingway did so much. Ernest Hemingway sought adventure everywhere. You and I talk about a man 
who had a full life and at the same exact time it was empty. His life was filled with futility. He states there's no purpose. We're like ants. An empty life. And for some of us today, maybe that's how you look at life. We're just here today and then maybe tomorrow we're gone. God says that's not the case. God states that you have a purpose. You, as an individual, have a purpose. Students, you have a purpose. Adults, you and I, we have a purpose for why we're here and what this thing called life is all about. Paul wrote it this way to the folks at Philippi. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 12, he states, Not that I've already obtained it, or am already perfect, but I press on. I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, straining forward for what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Brothers, and I add sisters, Join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you, even with tears walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. Their glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. But our, our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like His glorious body by the power that enables Him even to subject all things to Himself. Therefore, because of all of that, Paul closes his thought this way. Therefore, brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. Father, over these next few moments, would you use this passage to draw us close? Father, would you speak as we sang Moments ago, Spirit, would you feel this place? And the place that I speak of, Father, is not just this room, but our hearts, our minds, and our lives. Father, would you fill us? Challenge us this morning. Oh, Lord, 
may we see the cross of glory. That we, your children, your sons and your daughters, we are around the throne forever and a day singing, stating, proclaiming hallelujah to our great King. May we see that. And even now, may we experience that. May we be stating that with words and with deeds, with thoughts, with action, that you are our King, oh God. Would you speak this morning? In Christ's name, amen. If glory is the goal, if glory is the goal, then there's work for you and me today. If glory is the goal, then there's work for you and me today. If you look back in verses 12 through 16, you will see Paul bring that point across. And before we look at those verses specifically, let me state when I say glory, I know that heaven is not the goal. Doesn't matter where it is, that's not the goal. The goal is Jesus. The prize, as Paul states it, is Jesus. Last night, I had the privilege to stand in a room filled with friends and family, and I had the privilege to preside over the ceremony of a couple getting married. A number of you were there last night, but you know... As, as I stood in that place, and as those who were there were in that place, it really didn't matter where the place was. We weren't necessarily there for the place. The place could have been anywhere. The place was nice. But we were there to watch. We were there to join in celebrating. We were there to participate as witnesses of this union between a man and a woman. And that is the picture that, that Paul is longing for because he knows the prize, and that prize is Christ himself. And he says, if glory is the goal, if Christ is the goal, then, oh, there's work for us to do, Philippians. Oh, there's work for us to do, folks at Riverbend. There is work Today, Do you see what he is saying in verses 12 through 16? Let me read it for us one more time. Here's what he states. He says, not that I've already obtained it, this perfection, this um, elevation, this glory. I've not already obtained it because I'm still here. Okay, He's already argued. We, we're jumping right into the, to the tail end of this letter. He's already told them in chapter 1, hey, I long to be with Christ. That's where I want to be. That's far better for me. But I, but I know on your account, I'm going to remain here. So I want to be with Jesus, and maybe I'm going to go be with Jesus today, but I really believe that, that he has me here for you. So I'm going to remain here because that's better for you, and we're going to walk this road together. And he's writing this from a jail cell. Long distance from Philippi. But he's like, God's going to keep me here, and that's fine because it's better for you. But then two chapters later, that's chapter 1, now in chapter 3, he's like, I long. I haven't already obtained it, no. But I long for this. 
I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I don't consider that I've made that I've made it my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward for what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal. For here's the prize. The upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you and I think otherwise, God will reveal it to you also. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Folks, if glory is the prize, then there's work for you today. Three times in this chapter, he uses this word, dioko, dioko, D-I-O-K-O. You're like, who cares, Brian? You do. He uses that word three times. Two of them, one in 12 and one in 14, that word in Greek means to press on. I press on. In verse number 6, look look at it on the screen in verse number 6, he states this, In these verses, in these words, here's what he states. Brothers. That's not verse 6. I don't think. I'm going to have to get my secretary to do the slides right when I put them in. Philippians chapter 3 verse 6 states this. As to zeal, a persecutor of the church. As to righteousness, excuse me, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. As to zeal, a persecutor of the church. You're like, where is press on there? Press on there is persecutor. You're like, how in the world can that word mean persecutor and press on? In studying this week, I I came across um, the difference between light like is in this room and a laser. Light in this room. When you turn the light on in this room, light goes in multiple directions and it fills the room. So that you and I can see. Not so with a laser. When you turn a laser on, that laser, catch this, the light is pressed. It is pressed and it is focused into such a way that it is direct and it is used for a singular focus and purpose. And Paul said, hey, if we're talking about the the life that I had before Christ... If we're talking about that life, then I was a persecutor of the church. I was pressed for one purpose, one goal, one focus, and that was to do away with the church. But now, now all that is behind me. And I am pressing forward for one purpose, one goal, one reason that I am living my life. And it is this, for the upward call of Christ 
Jesus. So that one day I will stand with all the other brothers and sisters. Jesus as the groom and us as the bride. It is the prize of all prizes. That is the goal. And there's work for us to do today. Because that is a precious, costly price. Let's go. So I press on. I press on for this purpose. When you see these words, you hear this statement from this man, what do you think of? Well, this guy's crazy. This, this guy's, no wonder he's in jail. No wonder Nero wants to take his head off. Possibly. But don't you also think this guy sees this as a worthy cause to sell out his whole life, all of the work, everything that he can possibly do because of the great prize in front of him. If glory is the goal, and it is, then there's work for us today. Paul's saying here that uh, he's pressing himself. He's the one doing the action. You need to understand that. God's not doing the action. This is Paul stating, I see the prize and it is my focus and I am willingly doing this for that purpose. The someone that Paul has pressed himself to work for you and I need to understand that he is not working for salvation, but as he states in Ephesians, he is working out his salvation. He has already been saved. The work for salvation took place on the cross. The work for salvation took place from God and God and God alone. He is now working out this salvation every single moment and every single day for his glory, God's glory. That someone is the prize. And he has all the worth, all the might is credited to his name. I told some this morning that it was going to be a first and I was going to sing. <clears throat> but I yelled and I got a little hoarse. But let's... Just think with me for a second. Because this morning I, uh, I was sitting in, in the uh, sunroom. And you're all like, oh no, he's about to do it. Yep. <clears throat> but I was sitting in the sunroom and, and this song just came over me. A song that I hadn't sung in a number of years. 
But I believe it is a song that Paul had in his mind. Maybe not these particular words, but this is what he was thinking of. This is what he was spending his life for. What a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. When I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace. When he takes me by the hand and leads me to the promised land. What a day, glorious day that will be. There will be no sorrows there. No more burdens to bear. No more sickness. No more pain. No more parting over there. And forever I will be with the one who died for me. Oh, what a day. Glorious day that will be. One of these days, one of these days, we are going to be in front of his face. And Paul is stating with everything that he possibly can, he is stating, it's worth it. Press on for that glorious day. Press on for that day. You and I press on for a number of things. You fill your days with all kinds of things. I fill my days with all kinds of things. Some of those days and some of those things are fine and dandy. But a number of those things and a number of those days are not. What are you pressing on for? What are you focused on? Some of us here today have all of our attention and all of our focus on things like jobs, sports, plays, grades, houses, toys, leisure activities, even that of family. Any of these things, in and of themselves, not bad. Don't hear me standing up here railing at those things. For I am not. But is that where your focus is? Are we, are we just getting it through to the next one? I, I, I know that I have to get to a point two and a point three very, very quickly. But you don't need to miss this point. How often are we, I, I'll take myself for instance, how often do I, Look at Tuesday and say, oh, it's just Tuesday. It's just Tuesday. I got a nine to five and it's just Tuesday. I got a couple of things that are on my calendar to do, but it's just Tuesday. It was the, like the same day it was yesterday or seven days before or 147 days, which are Tuesday before that Tuesday. And it's going to be the same seven days from now because it's going to be Tuesday again. And I got things I got to do on Tuesday. And there's no urgency there's no direction. There's just, hey, it's Tuesday. How often do we go through those days? 
When God is saying to you and He's saying to me, it's not just Tuesday. It's a day for you to glorify my name because I'm worthy of it. Do you see the prize, Brian? Do you see how much I love you? Do you see how much it costs me to do this so that you could be mine, Brian? Not y'all, Brian. Angel. What are we pressing on for? Are we just going through the motions? Second point, quickly. If glory is the goal, Paul says, follow the examples in front of you. Rodney stood up here and said, man, there are some other guys that are serving. Man, that is, that's envious, envious of me. Possibly. But it could be what Paul states also in Philippians chapter 3, verse 17, when he says, hey, imitate me. Imitate me. Here's the example, church at Philippi. And if you see others that are walking in a similar role, imitate us. Now, about six, eight weeks ago when I was putting this together and I was thinking, all right, this is the passage that we're going to end the series on. And I read that verse and I was like, oh, my lands. I don't know that I can stand up here and say, hey, imitate me. And I'm not. But every single one of us who are born again believers in Jesus Christ, we see attributes of Him portrayed and lived out in others. And Paul is stating to those at Philippi, hey, if you see that attribute, follow it. Place it in your life. If that's, you need that. And if you see it being lived out, hold on to it. Go talk to him. Man, how in the world do you get that humility in you? Man, if I, all those gifts, all that joy, how do you love people like that? He says, follow this example. Not just in me, Paul states, but in those around who portray that same thing. But then he gives a negative example. And he says this. For many of whom I have often told you and now even tell you with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Verse 19, their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. They glory in their shame with mindset on earthly things. In this statement, Paul is saying first that their God is their stomach. And I wrote that down. I was like, what is that? What a picture, right? Yeah, it's a big picture if you look at my belly. So I'm covering it up. But, but no, it, it is... It is the picture, right? They are filled with this desire. Physical, fill it up right at this moment. Whatever I can get. And it's not going to satisfy because in like three hours, I want more. But second, it states this, that their glory is their shame. Instead of giving glory to God, these teachers heaped praise upon themselves. Do we do that? Oh, how great we are. Woo! Third, he states, their mind is on earthly things. 
One commentator stated it this way, it's certainly not wrong for God's people to care about earthly affairs. And it's not. But when we place those earthly affairs over Almighty God, we make false gods out of those earthly affairs. Third and final point as I close is this. If glory is the goal, Christian, remember where you're from. Peter stated it this way in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. The King James and the New King James, I believe, translate it spot on when they translated it, you are pilgrims. Some translations state that you are aliens. You are not Americans. Your citizenship is in heaven. Not your citizenship will be in heaven. Your citizenship, sir, ma'am, is in heaven. And the only reason that you are here is because you and I are on a mission for our king. So therefore, press on today for his glory. Heavenly Father, How great you are. Father, you have every single one of us on a mission for a purpose. And we need, oh God, we need to open our grip on the things of this world. And press on. Forget about yesterday. I can't change it. Forget about last week, last month, last year. I can't change it. Press on. For the goal and the prize that you have for us is great and glorious. Jesus, you are our groom. Everything else pales in comparison. Myriad upon myriad, for year after year, for millennium, we will stand in front of you and we will proclaim how great you are, Jesus. Hallelujah, what a Savior. What a glorious prize you are if we would focus on you. The invitation is for you this morning. It's not for anybody else. It's for you. As we stand and as we sing, I pray that you will respond. For He is calling you to press on and to draw close for His glory. You stand and join us this morning.